This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Michael, that song is going. Ah, well done. Enough. Well, got... Dale's away, you're taking over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the well, that was that other man's song, but so we're not interested in Americans. Fair enough. Well, well if they live in Australia, we're interested in them. If they live in, in America, it's a different story. A bit of racial prejudice starting off the show. <laughs> no, it's not racial. It's got nothing to do with race. It's, a, it's about nation. Nation state. There's not race. There's a big difference. Now, you keep quiet. You're just a guest, all right? <laughs> now, Michael Smith, Free CR's Living God, is doing all the uh, hard yakka today. Dale Bridge, the Empress, she who must be obeyed. Numero una, Ichiban. I don't know where she is, but I hope she's got a doctor's certificate next week because if she hasn't, I'm in big trouble because she'll throw me out. Okay, it's 4.05. This is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Our 3CR's Living God, Michael Smith, will be pressing the buttons and asking the occasional question if I get out of hand. My name's Justice Scarner. And we have with us in the studio, Barbara Clinton. Ta-da! Welcome. Oh, welcome, hey, everybody, and hello. Sound effects. Sound effects. Nice to be here, I think. Well, now, Barbara, look, this is a very laid-back program. It's just you and me and Michael's the referee there in case I get out of control. <laughs> uh, we have no ads. We have no community announcements. So we have no music. The poor listeners. And I only talk for about 3% of the time. No, not Barbara. a problem. I'm sure it would be no problem for I you. I should have Barbara. brought another coffee in, shouldn't I? No, and there's no drinking on the job, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to breathalyse you, okay? But it's not allowed. Now, Barbara, we only have two questions and you've got 55 minutes to answer the No, questions. not a problem. Now, first of all, just to orientate our listeners, I do like to orientate them because we have people from you know, different age groups coming to the studio. What year were you born? I don't tell people things like that, well, but I'm around your vintage, roughly. What? You're 64? Well, I'm around your vintage. Yeah. Well, she doesn't... I've seen uh, all of the 60s and the 70s. So you've seen all of the 60s and the 70s. Well, there's other ways we could extract the information <laughs> out of you, Barbara. It's <laughs> it all will right. Happen. You, we will get that year by I, the I end. I just think... Um, she's old. Okay, listeners? Exactly. She's old. I'm old. She's old. It's polite do. to ask a lady's age, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, it's just that I do think we do focus on age uh, too much no, no, in our no, society. No, 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 It's not about age. It's about Experience. focusing the listener's mind on the era you come from. Oh, but they will soon find that out yeah, when we'll you have, ask me questions. Yeah, we'll have other ways. We have other ways. And the second question is, <laughs> and as you didn't answer the first question, you'll have 54 minutes to answer the second question, is... What's your earliest memory? What's the first thing I knew thing you, you were going to ask that. And uh, again, I feel like I'm on a psychiatrist's couch and I really, I would take half an hour to think about it. I don't have an immediate no, answer to must, that. No, you must, you must have. What's the I, first honestly, thing that comes into your mind? I really, honestly, no, I, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I, away, I don't no, have a first memory no, at all. No, you must have a memory. No, I'd have to sit there what, and drudge even, or make it, one up and I don't want to make even one up. Even when you were 20, you haven't got a memory? Oh, yeah, it was in my first memory, though. That's right. So you've got no idea, nothing? Not no, not my earliest memories, no. no how no. about your second earliest memory <laughs> or your third earliest memory? Well, I do remember growing yes. up and I remember being in hospitals for a while as a child and then hospitals. out again. Hang on. Hang, oh, well, hang on. Let's, well, let's, so let's, let's, let's go. go back a step. Let's go sp- So where were you born? In uh, country Victoria, where about 50 kilometres from Melbourne. Where? Kilmore. Kilmore. Right. And uh, tell us, is your mum and dad still alive? No. Tell us about your dad. I can't. 
You and can. that's going personal that's stuff fine. I that's don't talk fine. about right. publicly. No, and how about your mum? Can you say anything about your mum? Oh, uh, well, she passed in uh, two days before Bob Hawke got elected in 1983 and I was working for the electoral office. It was a very interesting time. Yeah, and what, what, type, of, what type of person was she? Oh, um, well, she brought me up as a solo, a sole parent, which right. was fairly unusual mm. in the country town back then, yep. and um, with a, um, an older uh, stepbrother who's still alive, and... Um, she was, um, yeah, I learned a lot from her, an intelligent, feisty woman, and, um, yeah. What was her name? Uh, her name, an old-fashioned name was Iris, and she didn't like it, so people called her Brownie. Brownie. Because our surname uh, was, well, if you ever look me up on Facebook, which I never look at, I'm Clinton Brown is my Clinton actual Brown. surname, right, yes. Right, yeah, So not mm, but she was Barbara a, Clinton. Yeah, 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 well, Barbara Clinton Brown, yeah, oh, various right. reasons that's two okay. together. Yeah. But um, yeah, she was a, a very capable woman and uh, did whatever she could to increase the family income. So, as a single mum, what type of uh, work was she involved in? Well, in the country town, it was mainly looking after you yourself. But she did mm. do some teaching before I was born. When I was mm. born, that stopped. So, a bit of everything. Um, she worked in the, there was a local. Um, a factory for making fluorescent lights briefly, mm-hmm. right. um, helping out when the shearers came to the district and helping out shearers cooking, which she'd take me with, uh, helping out looking after children when uh, people in isolated properties had uh, babies and you needed somebody to come and help the kids left behind, and mm-hmm. all of which I assisted with too. So right. it's interesting timing. So what type of accommodation did you live in? Oh, just a basic simple house. My brother actually owned the houses in uh, two old houses right. in Kilmore. What, this was your... My stepbrother. He yeah. actually owned the house yes, that did. you lived in. Right. Although we left them at about, I was about 13, my mother and I think they must have fallen out because he's about 14 years older than me. Right, right. And we went and uh, lived in Wandong, well, which yep. was a one-horse town then. Yeah, let's go back, let's go back a step. We just do things chronologically. We've got plenty of time, Barbara, <laughs> oh, yes, to dissect you. There's a lot of, of personal issues I will refu- I well, no, discuss. No, 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 I'm not interested in personal issues, all right? All I'm interested in is the things you want to answer. <laughs> I'll skirt around them, under them, over them. So I'm not going to ask you, and you're not going to ask anything like that. It's not that type of program. As okay. you said, it's not a psychiatrist camp. That's what they say anyway. We'll no, see. no, 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 no. So you said you were in and out of hospital. Why you in and out of hospital oh, as a young kid? Well, that's a question I still ask sometimes, but um, basically from allergies and asthma mm-hmm. in the early days before they invented the uh, ventolins and things. Mm-hmm. So... Where would you go to Kilmore Hospital? Or? Well, a little bit, but mainly Royal Children's. Royal I spent Children's. a bit of time in there in the early years. Yes. What was that like? I enjoyed it. I have to admit, mm. right. I enjoyed being away from home. It's like I'm being on a holiday too. Right, right. <laughs> so, right. basically, so. I enjoyed it because when you weren't, you're not particularly sick, sick mm-hmm. as such, and there's a lot of other kids around, and yep. so yep. generally speaking, right. I used to enjoy my sojourns there. Mm. Mm. So did you, you go down by ambulance or car or? Oh well, all of it. Yeah, all of it. Anything. And yeah. Um, yeah, I did go down by ambulance a couple of times with a bad asthma attack and things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's it like to have a bad asthma attack? Um, well, as a child, I don't know. But basically, finding it hard to breathe is not pleasant. Mm. It's not a fresh memory in my mind now because no. I've basically sort of stopped having them mm-hmm. in my well, about, well, about twenty-one. I think was my last right. one. But no, not pleasant. Having not be able to breathe. Right. And did you go to school at Kilmore? I did. 
I went to both Kilmore and Wandong primaries. And so tell us about Kilmore primary. Ah, oh, it was run by alcoholic couple, which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Their um, their car would be at the pub before we'd even got home from school after <laughs> the show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was, it was an absolute classic. Yeah. And um, obviously, your kids drove them to drink. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, and also on Fridays, instead of doing sport, all the kids had to clean the school uh-huh. and I do like all of that. that and the whole bit, so yeah. that part was interesting, but we seemed to get a reasonable education. So it was a small school? I was about, um, I don't know, I remember how many went to high school, but yeah. I don't know. But in, what, in, in primary school, was it Yeah, I don't, it was fairly small, but not as small as Wandong, where we right. go to did, as well. Yeah, did you did you have an integrated class with lots of classes? Um, no, there was, oh, I think just two years. There was a, two big rooms, and mm-hmm. the uh, older kids were the, probably from about grade four, mm-hmm. five and six, I think, were in one room, and the earlier ones were in right. another room. Right. Although I did have... We used to frequently stay in uh, a tiny country town, Wandong, and that was just all, there was only about 20 kids there maximum and they were all in one room there. So I I enjoyed that school even more when I went there. So there was a little bit of a, as you said, there was a cataclysmic, I can't even say it. Cataclysmic? Very, thank you. Very cataclysmic shift in your life and you went from the huge metropolis of Kilmore to the country town of Wandong. Yes, it was like that (laughs) because... Uh, my mother used to go into Wandong to help a lady when she was sick because mm-hmm. a few weeks before I was born, the house um, burnt to the ground and my mum and brother just got out with their lives and right. the lady down the road, or down the hill in this mm-hmm. case, uh, took us in. Right. So whenever my mother used to always go and help her over the years. So right. we right. went from the little little school for periods of time back to, yes, it was huge going to Kilmore. Right. Although it wasn't good barracking for the South Melbourne team in Kilmore when you were little because you get beaten up for it because you're the mm-hmm. only one there. Mm. You got beaten up for barracking for the Bloods who yes. did a lot of beating up in their own time. Probably, That's why yes. they were called the Bloods. It's yeah. probably what started me <laughs> worried about minority groups. <laughs> I think it was called Cosmic Justice. Oh, is that what it was? You know, what the blood, you know why the South Melbourne team was called oh, well, the Bloods? Oh, well, there, was a, guess, there yeah. was a period of time, yeah. but not well, their whole history. Well, I had a patient who's now dead, <laughs> and he's an interesting man. He said when he was a, he was a career criminal. <laughs> and he said when you were 15, 16, 17, you used to go to the South Melbourne Games. Yes. And all the young coppers would be there too. And it would always end in a fist fight because the older coppers would send the young coppers there to be blooded. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and this was, oh. this was football in the 60s. You know? On the job training. On the job training, yeah. None of this namby-pamby garbage, you know. You know, pepper spray, uh, you know, guns. Battens, no. torches, just a good old fist fight with the boys from South Melbourne and uh, Port Melbourne. By the time I Melbourne. got dragged to the games, they weren't quite as bad as that. No, so, no, yeah. no. so you said you moved to Wandong? Uh, well, eventually, when I was about 13 or 14. 13 yes. or 14. So, so you did most of your primary school in, in, in Kilmore? Yes, but we did also go to move to Mount Waverley for a while. So I went to Ashwood High School for a while as Why well. Why did you move to Mount Waverley? So we had two. Two primary schools and two high schools I attended. So, um, I don't know. My mother decided to move, but to it didn't work out. Yeah. No, right. So we moved back again. So it was just you and your mum. Yes. Right. But we moved in with a 
um, some people she knew, a, an older couple, mm-hmm. an elderly couple in Mount Waverley. Mm. Is there anything, um, obviously you didn't do sport as you were cleaning the school on Friday, but, <laughs> but is there anything... You, I did at high school, yes. <laughs> but we're getting back to primary school. Did you enjoy any particular subjects you enjoyed, you were good at? I basically quite enjoyed school in general. and. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was quite big on getting a good education and learning because uh, being her era, because I was mm. on her second marriage, so she right. was an older mother. Yep. And in her era, she begged to go to high school and further, but her father wouldn't allow her to, you know, because mm. she was a, a girl, so to speak. Yes, so yes. She was quite big and before wasted, I went. Wasted, yeah. education. Oh, in particular yeah. in her I case. I mean, her and the had, Taliban, they felt oh, That's right. <laughs> they had the right idea. That's well, right. She had a good brain, so it was a, a pity in that mm. respect. So then any particular teachers, apart from the two that ran the school and went to the pub, that stood out? Not particularly. Oh, no. Uh, no, the the people. Although, interestingly, um, the son, or you wish me to do it in chronological order, the son of these two uh, ended up teaching me at high school. Oh, and he was a totally different kettle of fish to his well, parents. Well, obviously, he's <laughs> learned, hadn't he? So where did you go to high school? Uh, Broadford High, mainly, and then Ashford. Broadford? Yes, it wasn't. You, they didn't have a high school in Broadford, in Kilmore. No, no high school in those days. No, no, they still don't. I don't they think. Still don't. Oh. No, because it was a decision where to have the high school when they're going to build one. People mm-hmm. went to Seymour. My my stepbrother actually went to Seymour. Right. And uh, when I was at primary, they were deciding to build a high school nearer. So it was a toss up whether it be built in Kilmore or Broadford. And they decided Kilmore had everything at the time, so it'd be built in Broadford. <laughs> like that. How did how did you feel about going to high school? Oh, I've looked forward to it all. Yeah, I didn't mind at all. Didn't mind at all. No. Yeah. Even no. though you're a South Melbourne supporter, you didn't mind. Well, hopefully, I thought there might be more people <laughs> up there. There might no. be more. I didn't seem to beat you up for the support at the high school, I which is no. one good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you did you make? Uh, any lasting friends at uh, high school? Yes, yes, you do. I um, saw one of them just a couple of weeks ago. Interesting, when I went back to a, a, a little uh, theatrical event in Broadford High. My mm. nephew now does a bit of sets right. for the local theatre group. Mm. So most of the people I went to high school, interesting, either people at Broadford, unlike Ashwood, stayed up in the area. So. Right. Mm-hmm. I was one that fled the minute I could, really. <laughs> but right. um, no, most of them were still there. And um, mm. yeah, so, how many years did warm. you do then? Uh, to what was called leaving certificate then, which is like ten. Uh, no, eleven. Eleven. Yeah, wonderful. Right. And then my mother was um, on a what was called invalid pension yes, then, and yes. sort of stopped to earn help earn some money for her. Right. So you didn't. So when did you go to Ashwood High School? Oh, that was during a couple during. of years before that. During. Um, well, what was uh, year 10 or 11 then, mm. yeah. Did you notice any difference? Oh, vast. It was uh, about a 1,000 kids at Ashwood. Mm-hmm. It was very strict with your uniforms, much more strict than it was at our country high school. Mm. Had to have your hats and everything on on the all the way to the front mm. door and prefects mm. checking if you had everything on on the <laughs> way. Right. Did they have their rulers to measure the length of your skirt? Well, to you, your you knee? did have to, yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember that. Yeah, we, us old folk remember that. People you know. hitched them up worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they line up the girls, the, the 60s, you know, the swinging 60s. If, and they'd, if we have time, uh, Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Look, you may have 
do broadcasting at first. <laughs> well, you're the guest today. You don't look at the clock. I look at the clock. No, okay. and I'm saying if we no, have no, time, I can tell you all... about Rupert Murdoch and, and my well, miniskirt. So that's well, another story. Well, 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 we will have time. I can assure you about Rupert in your miniskirt. I can assure you. Got... Now. <laughs> well, maybe. Got to keep them listening after hearing the first bits. No, 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 no. We, we, we can show how people that are... You know, little moths when they're young become butterflies as they get old. Radical blood butterflies as they get old. Bit of an assumption there, I yeah, think. But anyway, yeah, we'll, let yeah. you, we'll let you get away with let it. Let me get away with it. That's right. Look, you, you don't look at the clock. That's the only rule we have. I do, but it doesn't mean much to me. Well, it better not because you're not running this program, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Michael is. We'll see about all that. Right. So you, what's, what was your first job? Uh, public service. Well, unless you count when I was 11 years old and mm. started working in every shop in Kilmore at one right, stage. right. Left school and joined the Commonwealth Public Service. That easy? Well, you had to do the exams, of course, and mm-hmm. get accepted. And, right, right. And, what year uh, was that? Um, that's a good question. About 67, 80-ish. 67, 68. So, yeah. so as a young woman who'd left school at year 11, you, it's not like today there were prospects and you could do things. You could... Well, you weren't. You were expected to maps what was it, air, airline stewardess or... Mm, yeah. Or um, basically, everyone said you had to fill in time till you got engaged and married, and and that was the end of your life. <laughs> so that was the general attitude. Yeah, so yours was the Commonwealth Public Service. Yes, and uh, which you know I preferred to the idea of being a hairdresser or whatever else right. you did. So what did you do in the public service? Oh, I worked for that. Well, I soon found out that uh, I worked in the pri- uh, Postmaster General's Department, the PMG, BMGs. Yes. So um, you did what all just clerical work in general sort right, of thing. Right. Um, there weren't that many females in the yeah. area that I was. So Most of the females clips, were in the machine room. Machine room. Yeah, Actually, you got yeah. my first job. You got all the work from all the post offices around Victoria, and, mm-hmm. and they sent them in. You had to balance all their work with what they sent in right. and make sure they were spot on. Spot on. Mm. So, um, but it was very regimented. The public service back then. Mm. How, mean, long, how long did you last? Um, well, I found it too regimented for me, because <laughs> as I thought, I didn't leave school to end up worse than at school. Yeah. I did check everything. Well, I didn't like it that I wore textured stockings because I came you down. You wore textured. Yes, to keep my legs warm. In '68, and that was absolutely. I, I felt I'd you know committed a complete crime. Well, you had. I got yes because I travelled from well, the country. Well, you think Carnaby Street or something? <laughs> well, you know, it did keep your legs warm travelling from the country to the city every uh, day. Uh, and then I had the gall to actually buy a lovely tailored slack suit and wear trousers at you one stage. You wore trousers at work so in 68? I was... Um, That's extraordinary. You yes. rebel. Well, in the end, I said, you're allowed to wear Texas stockings, but you're not allowed to serve the public while... <laughs> <laughs> So, you know. Well, well, you think they get excited, the public, or? I have no idea. The, high, the irony was there was a really you high that, counter and they couldn't even see you anyway except for the top half. So, so that you, they weren't going to jump the counter when they saw your text stockings? I've got no idea. idea. I mean, there must have been that type of thinking to uh, It was. That type of thinking. Well, you know? they checked the, uh, if the men's hair touched their collars as well. Oh, yeah. It was that beginning of that little radical burst, you know, I remember that. It know? must be. I sort yeah. of a bit of rebellious nature. Yeah. I tend to think this isn't right. This is not what I left school for. Yeah. I remember so what thinking. happened? You just left? I resigned. You resigned? Oh, firstly, I came, service. I came to work for two weeks and I didn't tell my mother and started going to the movies and <laughs> Instead, doing everything yeah, else because yeah. <laughs> I had to come down from the country on the train. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
And, of course, people said, I talked about resigning. He can't resign from the public, public service. service. It's a job for life. That's right. And uh, particularly, you know, it's a good job for a woman and all yeah. that business. Mm. But um, I did end up penning them a tongue-in-cheek resignation. But I think they were about to ask me because I'd stopped coming. You stopped coming, yeah. <laughs> yeah Basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so so well, what, what did your mother do when she found out you were, you were doing the, the, the Japanese trick of uh, being fired and going to work and coming home at the right time? Well, you know, <laughs> she had to cope, didn't she? That was all she could do. The I, poor, I, the poor woman. Well, she, was on in, she, was, she was on the old invalid pension. You're a sole support. Well, you know? well, she was still on the pension, but, yes, she did uh, want me to, in, to contribute to the income. Mm. And I felt I did that for a year or two before I, well, I left home. Well, everybody paid board in those days. Well, well yeah, well, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly did. Not like oh, today no. where we pay them. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear. <laughs> so what did you do after that? I meandered about for a while till uh, my girlfriends from school got a bit worried and they were working for the insurance company, the VACC insurance company, mm-hmm. and made an appointment. Mm-hmm. And then I got up, so I worked there for a while and worked at a couple of insurance companies. But also during this time I'd um, met some more interesting people you didn't meet in the uh, country and I started, um, the saving grace was I started working in an art gallery part-time. It was the Argus Gallery in the city in the old Argus buildings was run by the Herald and Weekly Times and I did uh, work there Saturdays and some other times just as a balance. Balance. And were you still living at Broadford? Or? I did when I first started working mm. there, or living at Kilmore. I never Kilmore. actually lived in Broadford. Broadford yeah. right. Yes, I was. When right. I, oh, actually, we were living in Wandong then, Wandong, so it was even right. more remote that even way. Even more remote. So how long would it take you to get in by public transport? An hour. An hour. That's not too bad. No, no. well, I guess the one train ride, but it was very cold in the morning, so hence the... The textured stockings. <laughs> you still had the textured stockings. Well, you know, he, all and, that. And, and nobody was jumping over counters. No, not in the, the art train. gallery. That's not one good gallery. thing. No, no that's one good thing. That you thought they thought you fitted in. So how long did that last? Uh, until the gallery closed down. It was uh, run by the Herald and Weekly Times. Right. They decided that it wasn't a money-making enough proposition. It used mm-hmm. to have a different... Mm-hmm. It was quite a, a very innovative gallery. Mm-hmm. Every two weeks there was a different exhibition and we had a do-it-yourself exhibition at one stage right. where people came in and and you'd see like it was quite hilarious, businessmen and whatnot coming in and looking around and then there'd be lots of papers and paintbrushes <laughs> and everything up and people would start, you know, having a little dabble and they'd be looking at people and after a while they'd... Pick up something and look around, and then give it down. Next thing, they were getting right into it. It was really fascinating watching it and that. But the Herald and Weekly Times, I was actually the last person to shut up shop there. At the Argus. Close it, yeah, down, and it was uh, quite a sad day. It would have been a sad day. Hmm. So, so when did you meet Rupert? Oh, this was uh, uh, at the Australian newspaper. Mm. Was Was this. In Sydney. No, I, moved, I went to Sydney when I was 19. All right. We'll, we'll, all right we'll, we we'll, could be here for about two hours if you want no, to go through my right. entire you'll, life, you'll find, I'll tell you. No, you'll find, you'll find <laughs> that about, you know, about 4.37 we switch into high gear. It's all you'll right. You'll need to because there's a lot there. <laughs> all right. So 19, off to Sydney. What happened? Yes. Um, decided. You worked for the Australian? I, I Well, I, I was um, first I got to Sydney with some... Stayed with some folky type people because mm. I knew a few folks. It was folkies. the 70s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and I, I worked at Frank Trainers. Uh, so you know you've, for a told, while. now you've told us your age. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and um, and eventually I worked in, I was in Balmain right. and worked in the local hamburgery, come mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. and started. Uh, I went one day, uh, one of the girls in the house was looking after some kids and she couldn't go there. Mm-hmm. So I went instead, and it turned out to be. In Birchgrove, John Menadue's 
house if you've heard of him mm. used to be mm. and uh, he got talking to me and uh, he was a Methodist lay preacher amongst other things and um, realized I was a, a girl looking for a job from another state a young yep. girl and needed a break mm. and said oh we might have a bit of part-time work at the Sydney Mirror and the Daily Mirror right. so I started doing a bit of part-time work there and after proving myself, I was offered a job at the Australian for a while. Which Doing what? Well, I ended up being the Girl Friday in the advertising department. Will be. So what you're making coffees? No, you're doing stuff, the advertising stuff, stuff here, right, and right, with right. people. Would say, oh, gosh, talk about the old days. People would send in copy, and you'd have to sort of redo some of the yeah, lines and whatnot. Set, it was yeah, yeah, yeah but it was yeah. interesting watching Bruce Good Petty do his cartoons uh -huh. and his right nearby, and all that was really mm, fascinating. Well, yeah. But eventually, I got homesick for Melbourne after several months and well, of living. In, I lived in Sydney for about a year, but I did get homesick for Melbourne. I missed mm. Melbourne. Mm, so is that when you met Rupert? Well, Rupert was working. He was part of his uh, exploring the world and uh -huh. taking over the world, and he uh -huh. was manager of News of the World or mm. something. Yep, yep. But he was coming out to uh, check the locals. Yes, and I, because I had no, I wasn't brought up with any political knowledge. I didn't even know how my family voted, mm -hmm. um, and uh, but I didn't have any idea really. He was actually had come out to sack the editor when he right. was Adrian Deemer at the time. Mm -hmm. But the couple of days before he came, um, one of the head of the advertising came up and said, oh, look, Mr Murdoch's coming in on Wednesday. We wonder if you would mind not wearing your miniskirts that day. <laughs> <laughs> a red rag to a ball. And I just thought, what? You know, so I took the day off and didn't come in at all was right. my response to that. Yeah. But it was quite funny because... A newspaper office is naturally mm. a bit messy and chaotic, mm. but it was like the general inspecting the troops. Everything had to be really tidied and neatened up and whatever. And <laughs> obviously, no short skirts or yep. anything mm. radical like yeah. that. So. Oh, no wonder we came back to Melbourne. Yes. Oh, okay. oh, I, feel, I, feel, I feel soiled after that. <laughs> I, feel, I, feel, I feel dirty. Oh, that, was, that, was, that was disgusting. Look, it's 4.29. This is uh, Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3 3cr.org.au. If you've needed a toilet break, don't despair. This program is podcast. Our living guide, Michael Smith, will podcast the program later on today and you can listen to it for years. All right, let's fast speed. You seem to be going nowhere. What's the first significant thing that you did after no, you came I, back to Melbourne? So far, I think everything I, I did in life was significant. It was to me anyway because yeah, it all it was, shapes you. Yeah, well, exactly. That's what we're trying to find out. So you come back to Melbourne, bingo, oh, what happens? Many, many things. It's very hard to praise one's existence. Well, tell us some, some interesting I, ones. I um, ended up in Carlton, of course, living oh, in Carlton. Carlton in 73, I can't believe it. Well, even, yeah, probably 71, 72, 73. Pram Factory. Well, I can, I can uh, yeah. name drop a few famous names in the world that oh. were living around the area at yeah. the time. A little bit yeah. older than me, some of them, like yeah. Gareth Evans and yeah. whatnot. And yeah. Mr. Red Simons, of course, was around the corner and very. People, mm -hmm. but um, I had by then I discovered that a, a girl I know was on um, using morphine, right? And um, and I hadn't known for some time. And there was a little place in the city called the Boyan, or just starting out called Buoyancy Foundation. Mm -hmm. And I remember going in there um, and having a talk to them because she was having a few problems. She ended up going back to New Zealand. And uh, long story short, I became a specimen hippie for. 
on chip, uh, Minister Customs. A specimen That's hippie. what, yes. Because Tell us what a specimen hippie well, is. Well, basically, like <laughs> <laughs> basically um, I was invited to go in that day when the minister, who was mm-hmm. Don Chip, right. was coming in to have a look at the place. As a drug out of the... Well, no, know. he was, look, basically, they were... They were it was supposed meant to be about the heavy drugs, but I right. was there mm. um, because I thought I was relatively articulate mm. to talk about other things, and uh, they ended up being a bit miffed because the conversation ended up being more with marijuana. So I challenged him back then that um, perhaps it should be decriminalised, mm. and uh, mm. he sort of was quite horrified by the idea at that time. Mm. Interesting enough, his son's. Um, Urgently, uh, <laughs> been a Senate candidate in the last couple of years, wanting all drugs uh, decriminalised. Right. Right. So that's interesting. And then uh, I was gradually end up working for the place as I moved to Carlton. So I was quite involved with the because uh, there was no government agencies no. whatsoever, and buoyancy still goes to yes, this day, does, although yeah. a completely different sort of form. Mm. And it, uh, so how long did you stay with buoyancy? Uh, off and on for quite a few years. A few years. Yes. And uh, do you think um, what type of Work did they do in those days? Basically, supporting. Um, they had a doctor, John Pullman, and he would help them uh, medically speaking. Um, it wasn't any methadone program or anything. Uh, in fact, I remember going to the meeting when the man from New York who ran the methadone program came yeah. and flogged it to us. Mm. The reason we picked it up is that the uh, judges did not know what to do. No. It gave them something to say, well, we can. Without putting them in jail, we can put them on methadone. It was a, really an opt out. I never thought it was the easiest, well, it was the best huge. solution. Heroin was a huge problem in Melbourne in the early seventies. I don't yes. think people realise how huge no, it, was. it was, and it really it cut... was in a small scene, but yes. it was still huge. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, they stopped people uh, breaking into chemist shops mm. because then they they made everything criminal. Yeah. So it became a criminalised, and we all said. We predicted that if you're going to do that, all you're going to do is create a great huge crime industry, etc. And, of course, everything has happened. Mm. That is exactly what's happened. (laughs) Instead of it being adequately decriminalised right from the start, and it was a prediction that Mm. was so obvious. So So we'll move on to the 80s. What were you doing in the 80s? Um, Probably back in community health by then. I'd sort of gone from buoyancy to the trade union clinic in Footscray, which ah, became you're the... Part of, you're part of the trade union it, clinic. Which I was the first community welfare officer when they became the Western Region Health Centre. Mm-hmm. And then um, worked there for some years and then went over to the Olympic Village. Talk about from the frying pan into the fire. Oh, yeah, that's right. And we sort of kick-started the uh, West Heidelberg but Community Health and Wealth Centre. Yeah. And I worked there for some time and then... How long did you work there for? Uh, about another three years. Most of those welfare jobs, you tend to be two or three years yes. and you moved on. Then I went to Europe just to get away from everything. <laughs> Why would you move on after two or three years? Because you always did in those jobs. I don't know what it was. You, and when you, we did. you burnt out or you Yeah, you do. And once up now, I'm the sort of person who likes to move on and help the next sort of situation. Mm. So what year did you go to Europe? Uh, 77. 77. And how long did you stay 78. Only six months because my mother was ill. But I had six months there. And also um, I was sort of um, in an unusual marriage at the time and my husband was working with the Aborigines in Western Australia. Right. And I came back and went to Western Australia and spent a bit of time with the Nunyars over Mm. in the West. And how long were you there for? I was was there. He was there for quite a bit longer, but Mm. I went there for... A few months, and then came back to Melbourne doing other jobs, and then went back. Well, again. While you were there, while you were there, did, did it open up your eyes? Oh yes, it did. 
I also realised that people could take activism in interesting ways because it was the 150th anniversary of the uh, Western Australia at the time and uh, one of the things that people were doing, or Ken Colbung, who's since passed, um, he presented the governor, the uh, Queen's representative and the governor with a notice to quit uh, because of the land. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yes. Well, we were there helping him prepare yeah, it. All oh, right. Yeah, that's right. And right. I, you know, yeah. I was just a side part of it, but we're in a yeah. small bit. But yeah. Yeah, and I realised that because I thought, oh, that's very cheeky. I didn't know you could do things like I that. Bet. Right. And right. I realised that activism, because he was one of the official guests, of course, <laughs> and he, after he was there, he handed him notice to quit. Of course, yeah, so uh, it was quite hilarious. It was hilarious, know. especially if he had some red coats behind him. Maybe it would have been yes. more effective. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> just like when the original. Notice was handed yes. to the Aboriginal people. It's interesting you say it opened up your eyes. It did for many things. It also opened up my eyes that there could be a clash with, say, being a female and um, and having learned about feminism and clashing with Aboriginal culture, or not so much clashing with it, but realising you can't know everything just because you're a female. Mm. And when the four, when the fourteen year old was sent down from Darwin to be the other wife and all of these things, you know, mm. it was an interesting um, mental process for yourself to absorb the yeah. the different cultural things yeah. all at once. Because it's one thing to think about, it's another thing to experience Absolutely. It and, and always make allowances. And how, if we here in Victoria, I often say that people know almost nothing about the Aborigines or mm. these traditional Aborigines, mm. very little. We're, we're so removed from mm. contacting with them people mm. in, in general. So did your unusual marriage last? Or? Yeah, well, it's still a friendship, yes. Oh, well, but um, I think being brought up with a, a lady, it's a single lady, kept, you know, one, the model always tended to feel you might get trapped in these things. Right, right. <laughs> but no, we've stayed, a radical Irishman for that matter, no, we've stayed friendly. Well, that's good. So um, when did you first come to 3CR? Well, on this occasion, I have actually been... Not, not this occasion, the first time. The first time was when I was uh, invited as a guest on Writers Radio because I had another former life as Excuse a, me, excuse me. Writers Radio. Yes. You are a published author. Well, yeah. Not a self-published author, but a published no, author. No, Fringe Festival. Sort Fringe Festival. Oh, you're still an author. Way back, yes. When, when, when did this happen? Oh, well, Fitzroy Haiku was what I was famous for. Uh-huh. And I've lost uh-huh. them also. But somebody recorded one of our first Fringe Festival one, which was at the Provincial. It was a little uh-huh. room behind mm-hmm. there. And if anybody's listening who recorded the... That uh, the time I did my performance piece there, uh, on cassette, it would be very interesting to, to get st- it. Do you still remember any of it? Oh, a couple of them. Not so much the particular Fitzroy ones, but yes. And I mean, haiku have to be good could to you, me. Could you, t- could you do one for us? Ooh. And I've put you on the spot and I shouldn't do this. There's probably a couple that are still in my memory because I've lost yeah. them. Yeah. Um, if they come yeah, back. Yeah, there is. To, right, they're probably not go. particularly Fitzroyish, but, but that um, doesn't matter. No, no, no. Yeah, we broadcast uh, yes, around uh, the universe these days. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is one that, that always stuck in my mind. Um, it's a double pun on the word morning as well, but anyway, <laughs> and starts off with half light of dawn, still morning, my cat and I curled around your empty space. And there was another one, just very quickly. Glinting joyfully in the sunshine of your yard, bits of broken glass. But I also had ones about the doll office and a whole lot of Fitzroy things, and mm, mm. you know, in a book and um, various things. And I no longer have them anyway, or most of them. Yeah, tell us about what Fitzroy was like then. It was not a blade of greenery anywhere. 
because I did move from the uh, got moved out by the uh, well, we call them trendies then from mm-hmm. Carlton mm. to yeah. the wilds of Fitzroy. <laughs> <laughs> they were pushed and, out. Yes, the hippie scum was, were pushed out. Yeah, where because it was cheaper to live in Fitzroy, yeah. and there was no trees, no greenery, and all that business. And there was certainly nothing like a Brunswick Street or a cafe or anything like that. Um, But it was interesting, you know, very interesting. Why interesting? The people. Oh, yes, the people were interesting. And then there's still a few interesting ones around in some of the the local areas, true. And, you know, it's interesting. It was a real dividing line. You could cross um, Nicholson Street and... It was almost two worlds for a while. You know, there's a pram factory and all that up one side and then the real champion, the Rob Roy sort of atmosphere yeah, <laughs> on yeah, the that's, other. That's right. So it was sort yeah. of in the midst of both. And I learned a lot from both both scenes. Mm. So did you continue working in the 80s? Uh, yes, yes. Still in the community health scene? Yeah, or? basically in the community health most of the time mm. and up until 90s and I worked until I worked for 13 years and... Until the ninety late nineties, for the Uniting Church in South Melbourne, the church up from Father Bob's, uh-huh. so what we had a bit do? of contact, oh, social work, the social emergency, work. Right. first aid, and a few gangland uh, clients. And yes, yes, yes. Interesting right. times. It was very interesting, wasn't it? I had a few mm. gangland clients too. Oh right, we probably had yeah. some of the same ones. Well, it could have been. <laughs> I, I remember. I mean, I was just, I was just a naive young idiot, and I remember I was told one day, "Look, there's this very sick man you need to see." And I said, "Oh." Do I? Really? And I said, yes. <laughs> no You're going to see him and that's so it. I, I, went, I went and saw this very sick man. He was dying of liver failure. I assume it was drug, drug-induced drug or something, but he was very funny. He was actually living in uh, Port Melbourne. These, these, these are the days before gentrification, and you had to go down these stairs into a bunker, a concrete bunker, and he had an armed guard at the front who had a what looked like to me a... You know, a submachine gun. Yes. <laughs> this, this is what it was like. Mm-hmm. This is what it was I like. know. You know, I that's do a, know. It's good that somebody believes <laughs> yes, me. I do. I mean, nobody used to believe me. I do. And the same man was killed six months later. Who knows yes, what happened? Yes. But that's what it was like. Well, Victor Pierce's yeah. uh, partner was a client and various people mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. and after he passed on. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few other names I'm maybe not feel comfortable mentioning. No, no, no. <laughs> no don't worry about it. Well, just say it was a different world. <laughs> it was. It was world. I did have a little break, though, which was unusual. Because mm-hmm. I, I Got sick of welfare for a while, yeah. and uh, there are other welfare jobs I had. To. You looked at the clock again, I did Barbara. Indeed. You're I'm a bad girl. How many tails I can squeeze in? Well, that's all. We will, but we'll I did do some you. taxi driving for a while. Taxi too. driving, mm, which yeah, was, what wow. in the 90s I in Melbourne? I was always fascinated by it, and uh, that's unusual. A female taxi driver, yeah, in the it 90s. was. And then, I, um, oh, it still is a little bit apparently. Mm. Yeah, I was originally going to do it, and then because um, we knew people had cabs at one stage. And then uh, some driver got held up by a, a knife, and I thought, oh, no, that's too tough. I'm not going to do that. Mm. So I went and worked for two years with the uh, what was called the Mental Retardation Division, yep. staying overnight and helping. Yeah, group anyway, homes, yeah. And that ended up being far more violent. Dangerous. And I, and I think right. taxis must be a breeze after this, <laughs> which it did turn out to be. Yeah. So I did six months day shift, and I hated it. It was a trappy. That's so I did four and a half years night shift, part-time or wow. part-time. And what was it like doing night shift in it Melbourne in the a, 90s? Well, I think taxi driving's the same, really, no matter when. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's much difference. Maybe, I mean, ice might mean there's a few more, but then you get the drunks and you get people who took a lot of speed and then mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. having had years of welfare experience and uh, tough experience, yes. um, and I, I never saw any of my clients when I was there behind, like uh, the, the social workers at the uh, 
South Melbourne Council yep. would be behind desks and yes, in separate yes, rooms and yes, yes. I didn't even have the first exit on my door. Right, so, right. so yeah, I didn't have that attitude. So that type of experience, I think, Would have been stood very well because mostly with a taxi at your mouth that, uh, yep. and your attitude that keeps you safe, 99% that and the other 1% is a random factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you meet a lot more variety of people than you do in extreme welfare situations. You'd be get to talk to bankers and heads of industry and mm. and uh, things that had widened my horizons in that respect too. I didn't only get to talk to similar groups of people. As I said, mm. full time I didn't do it, but it was part time. But mm. certainly takes up all of your day and night when you do that job. It does, especially night shift. Oh yes. Where were you on the first of January two thousand? Ah, uh, now one would think one would remember that. I remember the um, Twin Towers are where I was. The actual 2000, <laughs> I don't, strangely enough. I don't remember. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't precisely. Well, you remember the new century stuff. Well, I certainly <laughs> do, yes. I do remember. There has been a new century? Oh, yes, yes, okay. it, yes, it has. Yes, that's all for yes. So, so... You said you came back to 3CR a second time. When did you come back? Well, it would have been actually just before the new century, I think. Mm. I think I filled in for a few times when uh, Dr. Ross Ullman, who was, uh, had been head of CAS in um, mm. the Alfred Hospital, was doing the program I currently do, which is the Save Albert Park program, 6 o'clock Mondays, folks. Mm. And uh, he uh, finally went on to go elsewhere. And I filled in a little bit and then ended up taking it on and, and so far I've been the main presenter for a long time. We have had others. 17 years. It would be there about. 17 years. Yes, I'd say so, yes. 17 years. Well, well, time does fly when you're having fun. Yeah, what attracted you to the Albert Park campaign? Uh, well, did you live in the area or? No, but I did work in the area, but... Mm. I remember the very first day I was dri- I lived in Caulfield South at that particular stage and I'm now up in Essendon, which is the side of town I'm most familiar with. Mm. I remember first hearing that the Grand Prix was coming to Melbourne on the car radio, I think it was, and I had two first thoughts. One, gee, it's a pity everybody has to come to Melbourne and Adelaide doesn't <laughs> keep it. It was one of my first things because I knew people had gone over to watch a Grand Prix in Adelaide. Mm. And my next thought, I thought, did they say that right? You know, but Parker, oh, that can't be right. I wouldn't do that, would they? Mm, <laughs> sort right, of right, right. bit of a shock horror. And uh, gradually I found out that was to be true, that they were going to bring in a, a completely undemocratic act of parliament to force it to happen, not even consider anywhere what, else. What do you mean by an undemocratic act of parliament? Well, the, what Grand the, Prix act, yeah. the Grand Prix Act, when subsequently we've now had the Commonwealth Games Act, it was a terrible precedent. Mm. And uh, I think what... So people don't understand. People don't understand when they bring an act like this. What does that act do? Overrides any freedoms, anything, any hard-fought um, freedoms that we've sort of managed to have, or, or at least uh, responsibilities of government. It just removes the responsibilities and citizens' rights completely. Mm-hmm. It removed all rights of uh, citizens to even complain about it, uh, all rights of even private property if it was damaged by government, which is an irony for a Liberal government for a start. Uh, just bypassed any um, cost-benefit analyses or any you know, any environmental impacts, just anything to do with it. You just the act was basically you're going to have it there whether you like it or not, and that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was horrifying. It was just a bit after other things happened in Fitzroy, um, Fitzroy Pool before that yes, or prior yes. to all that and various mm-hmm. things. And it was very inspiring a lot of times, at times a lot of ways, because... Um, 
I was astonished, but it wasn't just what people called the usual lefties. Right. It was a large group of all kinds of people who voted liberal, small, well, liberal in the old-fashioned sense of the word yes, liberal party because yes. not everybody has been like the current liberal party. And uh, all kinds of people got together and realised that you really, in a democracy, you really have to be vigilant. Mm. If it disappears in front of you because we're not fighting a war, we don't realise it. But mm. it's disappearing right in front of our eyes if we don't, you know, leap out and do so things not, about it's, it. So it's more than just a, a car race in a park? It was more than a car race in the park. It was everything about it. But it was also, to me, the absolute ridiculousness of ripping out you know, 1,034 mature trees. To, we're going to make your park better, yeah, by ripping out all the trees for a start uh, yes. and sticking in um, something that takes three or four months a year and you can't plant anything or in case anything drops on a track, etc., etc., etc. apart mm. from the fact that it loses enormous amounts of money mm. every year too. Well, um, unfortunately, I think the movement has been successfully marginalised, hasn't it, by successive governments? Well, no government, um, and that's maybe I'm being a bit sexist here, but mm. it does seem to be a certain group of, of males who tend to have an old-fashioned view of the badge of F1 mm-hmm. and not even up to date with it because Europe's dropping it left, right and centre. Yes, yes. It's going to increasingly obscure places like Uzbekistan. Oh, no, there was one, there's a, there's a, one of those that I don't have even one heard of, the, of. One of the stands. Yes, so that's right. Stand. One, one of the stands. There's and five this of them. side of yeah. the world, uh, yeah. Europe's dropping it like hotcakes yeah, cause they because they can't afford it, think it's absurd for oh, the money, etc., etc. Et so... And on a permanent track, I mean, all the money they've spent in the umpteen years we've had it, if there'd been some sort of permanent facility... And it's a loss-making thing. That's well, what people forget, you know. Uh, and we we, we subsidise it. We, we, people don't understand how severely loss-making it is, not just the yeah, $60 million a year right. and the, the fees we pay to Eccleston. It's all well, the other Well, the, the, man, the, other the man's too. got daughters with expensive tastes and they need $20 million houses. And I think so she lost her, was it a Lamborghini or whatever yeah, recently? Well, of course, some, dear. Sometimes when you park Sad, your Lamborghini, it? you come back. You just forget where it is. It is. I mean, isn't that normal? So obviously, I mean, as a taxpayer, I'm quite happy to support the Eccleston family. Well, and we're also supporting Crown Casino, etc. Oh, of course, of course. Because course. I think it was, corporate it was desired that it would be very close to uh, certain things that were being built at the time, like the casino and certain interests, and there's a lot of things I wouldn't say because I don't want to be sued, but um, no, 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 <laughs> there's an awful lot of other complications be- behind it which seem to be still operating. So, so why, why do you think it's got such a powerful influence, you know, this lobby here? In, in, I mean, we're supposedly a civilised... You know, state, yes. civilised governments, yes. and this is a, this is well, a loss-making, it's... There's two things. It seems that people are scared of the marginals mm-hmm. out in like it's, it's still popular with um, out in the marginals where they don't know the eastern exactly, suburbs. Yes, eastern suburbs yeah. where they still think it probably is only once a year, uh, oh. well, you know, a couple of days a year, and not three or four months of yeah. destruction of moving out the sporting clubs and the kids playing, etc., etc., etc. That's one of the theories. Other theories, of course, I like to have it as their. Um, they call it their bunch of uh, attractions to help lure mm-hmm. other events. Mm-hmm. I mean, as if we couldn't lure things without it anyway. We always have and always will have. Mm-hmm. It shows a bit of cultural cringe thinking mm-hmm. in Melbourne. And it's certainly not economically rational. Um, there's there's a lot of an emotional attachment to it. Board, and partly, dear poor Mr Walker with his ill health, um, I think, um, you know, he saw it there as a kid. 
and wanted to tell thought wouldn't it be lovely when he had the power and the friends to sort of have it mm. back there mm. and uh, mm. uh, so do you think it was that kind of cultural cringe, like it made them feel like they were part of the big world? Oh, yes. Well, they made me imagine there's going to be masses of uh, stars coming yes. everywhere, be renting out our rooms left, right and centre. Like and packed and, yeah. and they talk about, you know, cringe-worthy naivety. Yeah, but you've got to pay the stars. That's what people forget. Yeah, they don't, they don't just come turn up. Free, no. They get paid. No, they don't come because I love the F1. No, they just come because they get paid big bucks. Yes, it might be the what, odd one what, or two. Yeah. Why? Would you waste, in inverted commas, 16, 17 years of your life organising a program every week, doing the research behind it? Why? Because this is one issue that no one else will speak out about. Uh, most of the, the only other uh, station that will speak out about it, and it's complex, it involves uh, the importance of um, our green spaces in our increasingly urbanised life and how we deal with them. There's so many government accountability. There's so many wider issues. Over time, um, 774 and John Fain, uh, who was initially, you know, he's a car Quibical. racing fan, Quibical, yeah. and now he's um, he's the only one who gives us a lot of time mm. and uh, is actually t- definitely on our side, so to speak, or Victoria's side, as I call it. Victoria's side. And uh, the side. 3AW, of course, has a... A strong uh, connection with. Um, well, they've all got commercial connections. Interests, and they That's will right. not right. uh, evaluate it. They will not consider. The yeah, Grand Prix Corporation what, what, themselves yeah, but why, will not. But why are you doing this 17 years later? Partly because the organisation is um, have been a strong and good one. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still an organisation? Yeah, of course, yes, indeed. Gosh, couldn't be able to do it without it. I mean. When the organisation does, if the organisation does ever decide to disband, then this particular program will disband. And do you meet on a regular basis? Yes, we do. We have monthly meetings. We have council. We've still got to save our park council. So you have to be involved in the council meetings as well and mm. Uh, mm. constantly lobbying. Uh, we've mm. had representatives on Port Phillip Council over time, which we took a bit. We helped bring Kenneth down mm-hmm. by getting helping support an independent who came in and... Uh, there's a lot of other, I'm not just saying that it, it loosely, mm. there's been a few books written with us included as part so of how the many thing. How many hours a week would you be devoting to this? Uh, it's ran, well, to the whole campaign. Yes. Or the, because you've got to prepare the program. It doesn't just come out of your head. It, well, it does. <laughs> it just comes out of your head. A lot uh, of it you've, does. Just, you've just under, undermined <laughs> the credibility of your... No, oh, no, no. She does a lot of research. Some of the best things. Well, I do both. You know, yeah. you have to do research. You have to do both. Yeah. But over time, you get more experience and it can take less time. It takes less time, yeah. Uh, and But I do, I do in the course, a wonderful uh, internet these days. I do a bit of net searching. I mm. use the word net search and not Google most of the time. I'm a bit oh, radical. Yes. But I do do a lot of net searching. You you use a search engine, obviously. Yeah, yeah. you don't use a That's particular right. search engine. That's right. It's just easier. Mm. Uh, and also, um, our media spokesperson Peter Logan and our other members, uh, Peter Goad, our president feed information. Mm. So, mm. members feed information. Random people do. Mm. So we get you know there's is is because we have a lot of members and people who still want it to happen helps inspire me to mm. keep continuing, mm. and the fact that bit by bit. People, we have got the message through to some degree that it has not been a great winner for Victoria. That's taken a lot. We've taken the, the government and the Grand Prix Court to VCAT and we've done everything we could mm. every which way. So mm. the rest of it's just in the lap of the gods, mm. so to speak. Are you, uh, let's say, um, 
retired from paid work or are you still working? I am now retired from paid work. I did have to have a operation um, a while back which sort of uh, stopped things for a little while, but um, I'm sort of... Would love some more paid work though. You're Everybody listening? For what, <laughs> yes. What type of thing are you looking for? What are you looking for? Ah, uh, but I don't have a particular thing in mind. Anything? At this point in time, I need a little bit of anything. Well, I've done got, a bit of everything. Well, you've got a so great CV. A little bit of Taxi everything. Taxi driver, welfare worker, oh, you know, right. activist, all sorts. Radio broadcaster, researcher. Talented, multi-talented. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's such a trouble with too many skills. Where do you focus them? <laughs> Oh, no, you don't need to focus them. You don't need to focus them. You throw them out there. Have, have you got any parting thoughts for our listeners as an activist, as somebody who's been active for a long, long time? Only that people uh, mustn't just keep it up to, to people like myself to do things. We've all got a role to play. Um, I think everybody in, in their way. And, I, and the word activist I used to feel uncomfortable with because we're all just people who care. Basically, you just got to care about your world and your environment and whatever mm. and uh, do your bit for it, including supporting people like, like my group if you can. Or, and the old writing letters and pressuring. It's apathy that really lets things get by. So we mustn't be apathetic when we see things that we feel are unfair or unjust. We must find a way of contributing our voice to this unjustness and unfairness in the world. And it's important for all of us to do it. And you think you haven't wasted your life doing that? Well, uh, for my judgment, no. Some other judgments it may well be. But for my judgment, certainly not. Mm, it's been a satisfying life? So far, so good. Excellent. Well, young, young, Barbara. Young enough Clinton. to at least still be uh, happy. <laughs> still looking for paid work. <laughs> and still looking for paid <laughs> exactly. work. That's why you're young. You're looking for paid work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Young Barbara Clinton Brown. Thank you, sir. Uh, from uh, the Save Albert Park program. Obviously, much more than that, and uh, we've explored that today, and it's been a pleasure having you in the it's, studio. It, it hasn't been quite like going to the dentist as much as I thought it would be, <laughs> no, so thank you. No, no, no. Look, it's very laid back. <laughs> we kind of lay the parameters at first. Obviously, you were born in 1951. It could have been 52, but, well, we, we just work it out as Around we go along. Yeah, we work it out as we go, as we go along. Thank you, Living God, Mr. Uh, My pleasure. Michael Smith. You know why you see free CRs, Living God? No, but I know that I call on him quite a bit when exactly. I'm calling we all call on him. That's right. Well, we're mere immortals compared to exactly. Michael Smith. You know, technologically I mean, speaking, I agree. Yeah, what I'd like to see, or more than technologically, he's, he's a fund of knowledge. What I'd like to see is a picture of him so we could throw darts as we walk in. Thank you very much for stepping and into the board. And may I just say Might thank you up. to you and all you do too over time because it's been a long time we've heard you on the radio and you're very good at getting letters in the paper, which I'm very envious of. So. <laughs> oh, good well, on you I too. Well, thank you very much for coming to the studio. It was a pleasure talking to you. And if you've got Likewise. any friends, and a lot of actors don't have friends, but I'm sure you do, who you think should come on the program, let uh, Gab or Ronnie know and we'll put them on the list. I shall indeed. I shall thank you indeed. very much. Thank you for your time.